Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or the Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, I'm bringing you guys big-name players to avoid. These are all the players that everyone knows who they are. You all know all of these players. They're the guys that you see on the NFL posters when you're walking on the street. You see their names everywhere. You hear about them all the time, and these are players that a lot of people are going to buy into because, hey, I know who this guy is. I've seen him do it. He's proved it before. But no, these are going to be the big-name players that I am trying to avoid in all of my fantasy football drafts in 2020. So before I get into the video, I'd like to ask if you guys could please go down below and click that subscribe button. It's free, and I'm going to be producing content every single day all the way through the end of the fantasy football season. So let's get right into it. Big-name players to avoid for fantasy football in 2020. So the first guy here is running back Melvin Gordon, formerly of the LA Superchargers, now a Denver Bronco, FFPC ADP, meaning higher stake league ADP. Our draft position 28.24, now a Denver Bronco, like I said, six foot one, 215 pounds. Melvin Gordon is now 27.2 years old, a 4.52 40-yard dash, 72nd percentile, 73rd percentile speed score, 71st percentile burst score, 82nd percentile agility score, and 42nd percentile bench press, which bench press to me means absolutely nothing. I don't even know why it's personally on there. So looking at his stats from last season, obviously last year he was in the LA Superchargers. His running back ADP right now is ADP is number 17th running back off the board, which is kind of deep for a guy that I think is a bigger name player, but he does get drafted a lot of the times ahead of it because everyone knows, holy shit, Melvin Gordon. He's the guy that was getting a couple years ago drafted inside of the top 10 at running back last year. Before that holdout, he was looking like he was going to be a top six fantasy pick. Now he has fallen down a bit, but that still scares me. Running back number 23 in 2019 in just 12 games because everyone remembers he had that holdout situation. He was saying, oh, I'm not coming back for this money. Blah, blah, blah. I want this money. I want that money. And then you know what they did? They said, get the fuck out of here and Denver paid him less than that so you hate to see that for Melvin Gordon 12 games played last year 15.1 PPR points per game which is 14th at the running back position 162 carries 13.5 per game 27th at running back 620 or 612 rush yards 51.0 per game 31st at running back 55 targets 4.6 per game 19th at running back 42 receptions 3.5 per game 19th at running back 296 receiving yards 24.7 per game 22nd at running back his red zone touch numbers were 37 red zone touches 3.1 per game 15th at running back and finally he had nine total touchdowns 10th at running back so obviously this is a big move he goes from LA to Mile High Stadium. Now, obviously, that's not much of a difference for running backs because it affects how you breathe and stuff when you actually go up higher. I'm not some type of deep doctor who can fucking figure out what that means for fantasy football, but to me, this move does mean a decent amount. Obviously, he goes from LA where it was him and Eckler. It seems like Eckler was his backup bitch. Eckler was going to be this. Eckler was going to be that. He's going to be fine. Just a pass catching back. And then Eckler just becomes this straight up alpha when Melvin Gordon's not in the game. He is just getting absolutely... Melvin Gordon's ass was getting absolutely torn open by Austin Eckler because Austin Eckler is just putting 30 fantasy points into these other opponents ass and then out of nowhere Melvin Gordon's like fuck it I'm coming back and then he just doesn't perform all that well so looking at last season in Denver this is why I'm really trying to fade Melvin Gordon in 2020 the snap counts in Denver in 2019 football and he was in for 50.4 percent of the snaps and then his backup Rolls Royce Freeman was in 50.1 percent of the snaps 
on Denver. So they were both in half the goddamn time. You know what this means is I think Melvin Gordon is not going to be the workhorse that most people envision Melvin Gordon as. Now, I understand the coaches have came out and said, oh my god, Melvin Gordon's going to be the workhorse. All these people talking about Melvin Gordon's the workhorse, Melvin Gordon's the workhorse. But what we see in most situations when there's two comparable running backs is we see the committee. And it's not no Liddy committee. It's a very bad committee because it's going to be fucking Melvin Gordon right in the ass. But the thing is, Philip Lindsay isn't no garbage can. I understand that Philip Lindsay was an undrafted free agent, so most people are not going to be like, oh, let me buy into him over a guy like Melvin Gordon. But what you have to understand is once you get drafted, none of that shit matters anymore. Obviously, it matters for the contract, but it doesn't matter once they're on the field. Melvin Gordon's like five years into his fucking NFL career. So that the fact that he got drafted in the first, second round doesn't fucking matter anymore. What matters is performance on the field. If Philip Lindsay is performing and he's known, he understands the system— and Melvin Gordon is also just playing about average, why in the fuck are you going to make Melvin Gordon the workhorse? I just personally do not understand it. I don't think we are going to see Melvin Gordon be the huge workhorse back that many believe he will be in 2020. So that's why I'm really hitting him with the backup Michael Jordan fadeaway on Melvin Gordon's ass. Next running back here, not running back actually, it's a tight end because these are from all positions, is Zach Ertz of the Philadelphia Eagles FFPC ADP 32 Point two six foot five, two hundred and forty nine pounds. His workout metrics are not very hot. Fifty fifth percentile forty yard dash, fifty seventh percentile speed score, sixty third percentile burst score, fifty fifth percentile agility score, and sixty first percentile agility. I mean uh, catch radius, but that does not really matter too much. With some of these guys, the workout metrics really tell the tale of oh, this guy's fast, this guy's this, this guy's that. And for some of them, it doesn't really mean shit because obviously we know Zach Ertz may not be the most talented tight end in the NFL, but we have seen him perform in the past. But there are a lot of reasons why I'm going to be fading Zach Ertz this year in Philadelphia. So last year, he finished as the tight end number four, and he's coming off the board right now as tight end number four. So he stays at the same exact spot, except for last year, he was drafted to be, in some people's eyes, the number one tight end to others. He was the number two, but he was my number three tight end, finished as number four, playing in 16 games, 14.2 PPR points per game, fourth at tight end, 139 targets, 8.9 per game, second at tight end, 88 receptions, 5.9 per game, third at tight end, 916 receiving yards. 61.1 per game, fourth at tight end, nine red zone receptions, fifth at tight end, and six total touchdowns, fourth at tight end. Now, while that all sounds super dandy, we can actually see that there's a reason why his point total was so high, why he was scoring all these points. It was really because if we check here, his fantasy point total by game was kind of just fucked up. At the beginning of the year, you can see 10 points, 15, 10, 13, 16, 7 Five, four, and then something changed. Week nine, a bunch of players were hurt. Once a lot of these guys were out, once this is when they started bringing in all these fucking guys that were from like the AAF start playing wide receiver, all these scrubs start coming in, and this is when Mr. Zach Ertz starts to shine. 25.3 points in that game, number one tight end that week, and then 18.4 points the next week, third tight end overall, then 27.1 points, and then he has a bad week, five points, and then 30, and then 17, and then six, so he really had his bread and butter later 
in the season. So he really got it going once all these people ended up getting hurt. So what happens if everyone on the Philadelphia Eagles is able to stay healthy? Obviously, they bring in Jalen Rager in the offseason, and they still have Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson. And if all of these guys manage to stay healthy, I'm very worried about what we could see out of Zach Ertz's production in 2020. Looking at some other numbers that I find kind of interesting here is the snap counts in Philly in the last two years. Obviously, Godert is the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, as is Zach Ertz. So in 2019, Godert had a 66 percentile snap count on the team. Or not percentile, just 66 percent snap count. And Ertz was at 80 percent. So look, obviously there's a difference. He's obviously much higher in the snap count. But if you look at 2018, it was 48 percent versus 91.6 percent. So is it getting closer, the tide between Ertz and Goddard? I honestly think so. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more Goddard this year than we have seen in the past. And obviously, Zach Ertz is going to be done in a couple of years. So I think they're really trying to see what they have in Goddard. And what Goddard is, is a solid tight end. He finished as a top 12 tight end in fantasy last year, just getting 66% of the snaps. And with all of this unknowns on offense, if all of everyone else can stay healthy around him, I'm really worried about how Zach Ertz performs in 2020. So next guy up here to get a crack at here, one of the biggest names, Mr. Discount, double check that cheesehead fuck A.A. Ron Rogers, FFPC ADP 103.72, Green Bay Packers, six foot two, 223 pounds. His workout metrics, 80th percentile 40-yard dash, which is pretty good for a quarterback. Obviously, a 4.71, still pretty fast. 72nd percentile burst score, 28th percentile agility score, and a 92nd percentile wonderlick score. So he's got that smarts. He's wicked smart. So if you guys have enjoyed this video thus far, please make sure to click that subscribe button down below for more videos just like this. So A.A. Ron Rogers last year, quarterback number nine. In 16 games, 569 pass attempts, 35.6 per game, 8th in the NFL, 4,002 passing yards, 250.1 per game, 11th in the NFL, 26 passing tutties at a 4.6% rate. Now, if you guys have are new to the channel, to understand passing touchdown rate, 5% is a pretty normal rate for passing touchdowns, so he was a bit lower than that, but I wouldn't say that's some type of anomaly because if he was at like 3% or 2.5%, then there's a complete difference in that, but a 4.6 is pretty good. Eighth in the NFL, four INTs, but 14 interceptable passes, 22nd in the NFL, 46 carries, 13th in the NFL, 183 rushing guards, 11.4 per game at one rushing touchdown, so he does use his legs a decent amount, but he's not some Lamar Jackson, obviously. Everyone fucking knows that, so something important to really look at here with just like Zach Ertz, this guy had his point total absolutely boosted by a couple of games. He had his last season to boost his point total to 278.83, and he had his lowest ever points per game total since 2007. 2007, that's over 10 years ago. He was very young then. Now he's an old ass man who's been throwing touchdowns for years. So if we look at his obviously fantasy points, which is all the way on the right side, he goes like 12 points, 14, 13, 25, 9, 18. But then he has that big game, 43.8. And then he has another hot game, but then he falls asleep for the next three games, has a good game, and then just some average game. So his point total really got boosted by the fact that he scored 43.8 points week seven against the Oakland Raiders. Every other game being just about average 
just means that he really wasn't doing all that good last year. If we look at the Packers' past run splits in 2018 versus 2019, there's a big difference. In 2019, under coach Mr. Matt LeFleur, the new head coach, obviously, of the Green Bay Packers, their 40% run, 60% pass. Aaron Rodgers averaged 17.4 points per game, but obviously, just like I said, it's kind of skewed. But Packers' run pass split in 2018 under fat man Mike McCarthy, 32% run, 68% pass. Rodgers, 19.5 points per game, which weren't really skewed because he was just balling out of control because they were passing the ball a lot. So I think with a more run-heavy attack of the Green Bay Packers, we see a lessened A.A. Ron Rodgers. And with the fact that they ended up drafting Jordan Love in the first round and then A.J. Dillon in the second round and said, fuck you, Aaron Rodgers, we're not drafting you another wide receiver, I'm worried. I still think Devontae Adams is going to have a great season in 2020, but I'm worried about the fact that Aaron Rodgers doesn't really have anyone besides him to pass the rock. Two. Next guy up to bat here is Amari Cooper, wide receiver of the Dallas Cowboys, FFPCD ADP, 38.12. Six foot one, 211 pounds. His best comparable player is Greg Jennings. 89th, 40. Uh, yard dash, 92nd percentile speed score, 24th percentile burst score, 97th percentile agility score, and it's 75th percentile catch radius. Now, Amari Cooper, without a doubt, is a very talented wide receiver. ADP right now coming off the board as wide receiver numero 9. So, last year he finished as wide receiver number 10, 16 games, 119 targets, 17th in the NFL, 79 receptions, 15th in the NFL, 1,189 receiving yards, 74.3 per game, 7th at wide receiver, 8 total touchdowns, 7th amongst wide receivers, and 6 red zone receptions. Now, those numbers all sound dandy because Amari Cooper is always going to be a top 12 wide receiver. He just always well in Dallas he's in a perfect situation he has a quarterback that can easily throw for 5,000 yards he has an offense with Mike McCarthy that's going to be tailored to passing the ball we just talked about it Mike McCarthy loves to throw the goddamn ball whereas Matt LaFleur loves to run it so what is wrong with Amari Cooper this year and it's the problem with Amari Cooper every goddamn year the Cowboys were 12th ranked in run percentage in 2019 under Mr. Kellen Moore, who seems like he's going to be calling the plays again. Obviously, I brought up Mike McCarthy because he's the coach as well, but it seems like Mr. Kellen Moore is going to try to dumb it down, make it so that they run the ball a bit more, but obviously Mike McCarthy might still try to be passing the ball. They draft C.D. Lamb, like I said, which obviously kind of hurts Amari Cooper because eventually C.D. Lamb could become the alpha on this team. Now, I don't think that's going to happen this year, but it could happen in the future, but he's still going to be getting a lot of targets. He thrives against bad teams and disappears against those good teams. He absolutely eats like his name was Ezekiel Elliott against the fucking bad teams, but once he plays against a good corner, he's getting absolutely clamped down. They're holding him. He can't do anything. He is very, very, very inconsistent. One of the most inconsistent wide receivers for fantasy football, and he's one of the guys that's getting drafted inside of the top 10. As you can see against the Giants, a not-so-good team. He eats 22 points. Then he goes against Washington, but he plays a good corner in Josh Norman, so he scores 14 points. And then against Miami, against Xavier Howard, against a bad team. The Miami Dolphins at the beginning of the year were dog shit, 26.8 points. And then he goes up against a good corner in Marshawn Lattimore, plays terrible, 9 points. And then against Green Bay, he eats 39 points and then goes to 1 point. And what's funny is what I said earlier wasn't even necessarily true because he's playing against these t- a terrible Jets defense and does nothing. And then the next week, 15, 18, 31, and then 6, 0. 
16, 20, 2, 6, 13. So in his in your fantasy football playoffs, week 14, 15, and 16, if you're playing normally, he scores 20 points and then shits the bed and then shits the bed again. Why do you want Amari Cooper? He's going to have half the games where you're super happy. You're like, thank God I drafted Amari Cooper. And then the other half of the games, he leaves you disappointed in the corner with a thumb straight up your ass because you can't do anything. He screws you over. So don't draft Amari Cooper. Fade him. Don't think about drafting him because you are going to leave the draft with a team that's good, with a team with a player that is good half the fucking time. Why do you want to draft a guy who's going to be good half the time? I don't see a reason in drafting him inside the top 10. He goes way too high for my liking, and I think I would just overall fade him. In pretty much every single draft, if you guys notice, I've done 11 best ball drafts on drafters.com, and those are for money. I don't own Amari Cooper in any of them. I typically urge you to diversify the revenue. Pick a different guy in every league, but I don't want some guy for half the fucking time that is terrible. Next and final man up here is tight end Robert Gronkowski, the party beast. I love fucking Gronk as a person. The guy's absolutely electric. You follow him on Instagram, posted a picture. It was like sea ball, Gronk catch ball, which is just so funny. The guy, the guy knows his audience. He's funny as fuck. 80.88 FFPC ADP, six foot six. Now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer of the Tom Brady led Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa. Tom Brady, six foot six, two sixty five. Guy's a fucking beast. Fifty six percentile forty yard dash, eighty fifth percentile speed score, seven fifty seventh percentile burst score, seventieth percentile catch radius, and a fortieth percentile agility score. But that does not tell you anything about how Gronk plays. This guy is a beast. But the problem with Gronk is his health. ADP tight end number 10 off the board, which to me is ludicrous because he's probably going to play 10 games. One spot for every game he plays. Now, if you want to draft Gronk and you draft another tight end, sure, go ahead and do that. But I don't advise drafting two tight ends. So that's why he's a fade for me because I personally don't believe he'll be having all of these great games. He also has the best surrounding cast around Gronk that Gronk has ever seen, except for maybe when fucking Randy Moss was there. Just kidding, because they weren't even on the fucking same team together because Gronk got drafted in 2010, and Mr. Randy Moss's last year was 2009. The supporting cast over here in Tampa is amazing. Behind him, they have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, who are all going to get used. His wide receivers... Maybe the most elite tandem in the NFL of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He's never had this surrounded cast. The last couple of years, it's just been Edelman and a bunch of random lacrosse players that Bill Belichick fucking finds off the street. Tight end 11, the last time he played in 2018. He retired, obviously, in 2019. He played 13 games in 2018. 10.1 PPR points per game, 8th at tight end. 72 receptions, 12th at tight end. 47 receptions. 12th at tight end, so he had 72 targets, I should say, 47 receptions, 682 receiving yards, 6th at tight end, 3 red zone receptions, and 3 total touchdowns. So why is Gronk so injury prone? If we take a look over here on his sports injury predictor, he is deemed a high risk of injury. His chance of injury in 2018, 2020, I should say, is 78.7%. I've never seen it that high for a player. They think he is going to get hurt, and sports injury predictor is relatively accurate. His predicted games missed for 2020 is 3.5 games, and his durability is 2 out of 5, meaning if he gets hurt, it's not super likely that he is going to be able to come back and play in the game. The most important thing to note here is this cool-ass graphic, because you can see how many times Gronk has gotten hurt. Two head injuries, but these are only the reported head injuries. He could have had way more concussions than that, because back then, they just let you play through it before a couple of years ago. One neck injury, one chest injury, two arms, five hip, one on the leg, one on the other leg, and then three on the knee, one on the foot, and one on the thigh. What the fuck, Gronk? Gronk is very injury-prone. He gets hurt all the time. 
I love Rob Gronkowski, the player. I love Rob Gronkowski, the human. And I would love to see what he does in Tampa Bay. But what shows me is that the injury concerns are very high. So I'm going to go ahead and fade Gronk. But I do hope Gronk has a good season. Just like all these guys. I hope they all have a good season. I just personally don't believe they do. So thank you guys all for watching this video. If you had a fun time listening to me blabber on about all these players, make sure to click that subscribe button because I make videos every single day. I'm going to be ramping it up. We're going to be seeing maybe two, three videos a day come August and late July. I love you all. Have a great rest of your guys' goddamn day. I'll see you guys tomorrow with yet another banger of a video. Click on one of the videos that's also on your screen as well. Have a great rest of your guys' day. See you tomorrow. Goodbye, guys.